Oh, hi, everybody. My name is Matt Stores, and welcome to Matt's Blaining. On today's episode, I have somebody who is an expert on one of my favorite TV shows, and I'm very excited to talk to them. Expert, please introduce yourself and let us know what you're an expert in. Hi, I'm Michael Margettis. I'm an actor, comedian, also a writer, and I'm an expert, I believe, in the HBO drama The Sopranos. Fantastic. I watched The Sopranos during the pandemic as well as when I was a kid. And one of the things that I always, that struck me from when I watched it as a child to rewatching it again is how I thought there were episodes where it was like, oh, this is a storyline that continued between like three or four episodes or at least two episodes. And then watching it again, I was like, oh, this is one episode. This is just one episode of a show, and then it's never really discussed again. And the instance that I am reminded of of that is season four, episode 13. I'm sure you're familiar. White Caps. White Cap. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, that is that is the one. But that in that episode, they have the, the summer house, the vacation house. And I was completely convinced that was like multiple episodes of them dealing with this guy. And that's just not how it is. It's just yeah. self-contained. But, you know, ultimately, I think that The Sopranos is really, really amazing when you start looking at the kind of the background of the show and like what they other plans they had besides the movie and everything like that. For instance, in the first season, there's a big, big push to have a big pussy spinoff that ultimately didn't come to fruition. Like there were a couple of things that just didn't align and storyline wise, they were like, okay, are we going to do like a flashback? Like, are we going to do like the side story and like fill it in a little bit more of like him interacting with law enforcement and stuff like that. Then there's also the fact that they did have the option to bring it back for more episodes, but they ultimately decided not to because they couldn't get the approval for the musical episode that they wanted to do. It was a big, big fight. You know, most shows, they go on for five, six seasons. Eventually, you have a musical episode of some sort. And they were just like, James Gandolfini has the a bunch of songs he's written that he really wants to sing. And they're like, I don't know if it works for the character. We've already done an extended dream sequence. Will this work? And there's a lot of fan music now. There's the Woke Up This Morning, Got Some Gabagool song. But the one of the songs that James Gandolfini wrote was akin to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And, you know, more recently, the Weird Al song of the Bedrock Anthem where it's, you know, Fred Flintstone and it's Gabba, 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 Gabba Ghoul now. And very simplistic song, if you really think about it, but they couldn't get the rights to the original songs. Is this a parody? Famously, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, big problems with parodies of their songs that were based on food. They wouldn't let Weird Al do that. So that for even for HBO, such a prestigious show, the Red Hot Chili Peppers wouldn't do that. Anthony Kiedis and Flea just put their foot down. And then ultimately, I think The Sopranos is a scathing critique of Freudian psychology. I think that if 
Tony got a Jungian approach, maybe some cognitive behavioral therapy. I think that the outcomes would have been significantly better with somebody that was a little bit more empathic and emotional as opposed to conclusions on Tony's behalf, helping Tony fill in those connections. But also that is a longer process and is not as dramatic to demonstrate on a television show. So like, I get that. But I think that to put it simply for people that are not as familiar with therapy styles, for instance, I think that... Tony would have had a better time and would have had better outcomes if Niles Crane treated him as opposed to Fraser Crane treating him. And mm. I think it, he would have grown much more as a person with Niles in his corner as opposed to Fraser in his corner. That's basically what I know about The Sopranos. About how much of that would you say was accurate? I, I would say 40%. Okay. <laughs> I would say, yeah, no, I, I haven't. I had to Google this because I never heard this, but Sopranos never wanted to do a musical episode. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, if you've ever seen an interview with creator David Chase, this guy's like Mr. Fucking Nihilism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He just seems like a very cranky dude that is really trying to get a cup of coffee. But I doubt, no. From everything I've heard, they never tried to do a musical episode. Okay. Uh, Obviously, Tony Soprano's psychiatrist isn't Frazier or Niles Crane. It's Dr. Jennifer Melfi, portrayed by Lorraine Bracco, who mm-hmm. is an Italian actress and Oscar nominee, best known for playing Henry Hill's wife in Goodfellas. Right. Uh, and I would say, though, yeah, like maybe the show is kind of like a critique on Freudian psychiatry and that kind of culture. I do know that the show after its first season received an award from like the American psychiatry, whatever. I don't know the exact name of the guild, but they they presented Sopranos and David Chase with an award for its honest, honest and ethical portrayal of psychiatry on television which I think in the 1999 when it aired, mm-hmm. early 99, I think it was like January 99. It, you know, what did they have really to compare it to in terms of realistic portrayals of psychiatry? Obviously not Law and Order. Obviously right. not something like The Practice. Obviously not Crossing Jordan or Judging Amy or any of those shows. Right. One thing that really stood out to me, which what you said is like, thinking that this stuff is taking place over a lot of episodes, but it's really just contained to one episode. Right. The episodes of The Sopranos generally feel like little short films. And many people have said that involved in the show, including like David Chase, Matthew Weiner. But one thing they do on the show is a lot of episodes are kind of two-parters spread throughout Mm -hmm. a season. I think the best example, and having seen the show, I think you should know this. The second season, you know the episode where Robert Patrick is the friend of Tony and he's a gambler? Yeah. So the first episode he's in, The Happy Wanderer, which is the sixth episode of season two. It's about him, you know, reconnecting with Tony, getting involved in the executive card game, Tony realizing he owes Richie money and all that. And then they kind of put a hold on that character and don't really finish his story until the 10th episode that season, Bust Out. 
mm-hmm. which they did a lot. Like they'll introduce a problem, kind of have it in the background and then definitively put a cap on it later on down the season. I would say like, yeah, Happy Wanderer and Bust Down are kind of like parts one and two. They're also written by the same writers too, because I think if you're going to introduce that character and stuff, they want to give you the chance to kind of finish the arc the way you would want to. Right. And that makes a lot of sense just from like a, just a structural point of view. You don't want to give the reins over to somebody else, especially if you have an idea in mind, but you want to make sure that you have the space to develop the circumstances giving way to the conflict. So that, that especially with that storyline, from what I remember, if it did get self-contained in one episode, it would seem kind of rushed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing that was great about Sopranos is nothing felt rushed. It took its time. And as Matthew Weiner said in an interview who wrote for the show and was the creator of Mad Men, it was really one of the first shows to tell like subtle stories on television. Open-ended, not hammering a point too hard on the head, which is weird because I feel like a lot of people, generally people think of The Sopranos as this like, One's getting shot every episode, like loud, essentially what people would call, I guess, like a Goomba fest, but it's Mm -hmm. not. It's a really subtle story. And like the, a lot of episodes, the mob stuff just feels kind of incidental, like, because it's really about him and his family and about like a typical upper middle class American male dealing with his business and family just this guy his business happens to be the mafia right and i think like the reason people connected with the show was they were like wow besides this guy murdering people and having people killed and all this stuff he's kind of like me in a lot of ways exactly i think that a lot of i think it's one of the first shows that's easy to point to where you have the main character who is somebody who like you can empathize with and identify with but then also it's like oh this person is also extremely flawed and problematic in a lot of ways yeah. but like if somebody tells me that like they're one of their favorite characters is tony soprano i might have a couple follow-up questions but i'm pretty sure because the show does a good job of it of showing tony's flaws and showing the consequences of his actions so usually when somebody says that to me it's oh yeah i understand and recognize how complex of a character he is versus talks about Don Draper and they miss all of the. Oh yeah. Well, I think a big difference between Tony Soprano and Don Draper and Walter White and Hannibal Lecter and all these people is Hannibal Lecter, Walter White, Don Draper are these incredibly intelligent people. Mm -hmm. Whereas Tony Soprano is like kind of a fucking idiot. Right. He just has the advantage of being smarter and a little more introspective than the people in his orbit. And kind of more of a curious mind than they would have. However, I love the fact that the show doesn't try to paint him as this like genius. A lot of the humor comes from him misinterpreting stuff. Right. Him being like, revenge is like serving cold cuts. Right. Or when Dr. Melfi's like, oh, it's not a retirement community your mom's in. It's like a resort at Cap Fan Teague. And he mm-hmm. mishears that as Captain Teebs. And then mm-hmm. when he's talking to his mom about it, she's like, what's that? And he's like, Captain Teebs. He's this industry resort owner guy who owns all these resorts. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Like, I feel like... <laughs> 
feel like I've done that before. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's very <laughs> identifiable. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do that all the time. I'm like, yeah. I feel like most of my matsplaining background has come from some, me mishearing something and being like, oh, yeah, this is right. And yeah. then just going off based on hearing one thing and being like, oh, that person said it confidently. So, well, now I'm going to say it confidently to dozens more people if yeah. not if not hundreds if i'm lucky that's really identifiable and i think that especially with parents and everything like that you can be like i remember when my dad it was clear like he was confused or you know whatever yeah. at, like a restaurant and just kind of goes off on your own theory to like kind like, of make you sound more confident and knowing what's going on yeah just filling in huge gaps uh, it's definitely identifiable when did you first watch the sopranos what got you into it oh okay so i was 12 years old okay and i first started watching i i started watching the show when the right before the third season premiered okay my dad i remember me and him would watch shows all the time we watched sex in the city from the time i was like 10 to whenever which is not generally something a 10-year-old should be watching. Probably not, yeah. But my parents were like pretty, like they didn't really give a shit in terms of the content I ingested. They would care more if I was like cursing in public and all this stuff. But in terms of like what I watched, they really didn't care. My dad introduced me to Sopranos because he's like, yeah, I've been hearing it's really great. The first episode I saw was a random episode from the first season called Down Neck, where okay. Tony remembers his dad. And it like does the flashbacks to like the 60s and his dad being arrested and him seeing his dad being arrested. And then that's tied into like him being worried about his son and the dilemma of wanting his son to respect him, but not wanting his son to follow in his footsteps because he realizes what he's doing is not only wrong, but incredibly dangerous. And I saw that episode, loved it, started watching more of it. When I was 12 years old, like right after the I watched the third season live, I had a polar ice birthday party and my dad got me a Sopranos cake. Cool. I guess they, the guy who made the cake wasn't supposed to do it. He broke some copyright law, but it was the pose from season one where it's like Tony and all the characters around him. Mm-hmm. And I remember just like some parents being like, what the fuck at this party? <laughs> and I was like, here's the thing. Like I started watching Sopranos. I got the first season on VHS. Oh, wow. Made the VHS. I still have those tapes at my parents' house. And I would watch them over and over again. One of my best memories and kind of shows you how much I like the Sopranos over like life stuff I should like better. I remember being at my first seventh grade dance mm -hmm. and being like annoyed and wanting to go home because I had spent my entire allowance on the first three seasons on DVD. And I oh, was wow. going to like pound watch them before the fourth season came on. That's, that's pretty cool. I love yeah. that. I, I miss the good old days of having just having the DVDs and being like, I'm just going to binge watch these things. This is what I got. And this is the content I've chosen to consume. Oh, yeah. And Sopranos, in a lot of ways, is the reason why TV on DVD was like, took off. Right. Because not everybody had HBO. Not everybody wanted to get HBO for it. And, you know, obviously, you're not going to watch this show syndicated. I mean, you can, but it would be 
bullshit to watch it with everything cut out. Yeah. Not that like you watch The Sopranos to hear the F word or see boobs or see someone get shot, but it just already compromises the vision of the show seems to be a promise of an uncompromised vision at a time where TV really wasn't seeing that. Right. Absolutely. Because of course you had shows that preceded it like Oz, but let's be honest, Oz was never as good as Sopranos. Never. It was never yeah. as nuanced. The characters weren't as rich. It was towards the, I, I never finished Oz, but as I was going along, I noticed it was like more and more on the nose yeah. and just whatever. And obviously uh, something that takes place in a prison is not going to like catch on with the public as much as like a mobster story. Absolutely. It's a harder one to latch on to the yeah. general populace. If people wanted to learn more about the Sopranos or more about you, what would you recommend they take a look at? Well, if they want to learn more about The Sopranos, I would say just watching The Sopranos. Mm -hmm. uh, I think like, yeah, don't read, like hold off on reading stuff about it, analysis, whatever. Watch it, form your own opinion on it, then go to that stuff and be like, oh, that's kind of similar to what I thought. Right. But just dive in. I've convinced so many friends to watch mm -hmm. The Sopranos. But I should say, I've seen The Sopranos nine times all the way through, mm -hmm. and the first couple seasons I've watched more, obviously, mm -hmm. because I would always watch the seasons before the new season came on. Right. That makes uh, sense. All the way through since it ended, I watched it nine times and I, it would always be getting a friend into it. Like, right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like a couple of friends, I would be like, Oh, like I will commit to months of watching this with you because I want to rewatch it. I'm going to rewatch this show every three years, probably until I die. That's great. And I will do that with no other show. Mm -hmm. Have um, you, have you added watching the movie to that as well? Fuck no. I hate the movie. <laughs> Movie's not the Sopranos. Yeah. And the fact that something so schmaltzy and so just disconnected and just like fan service-y came from someone as like cynical and hard-boiled as David Chase blows my mind. Yeah, it like, is pretty absolutely wild. blows my mind. The movie's, the only good part of the movie for me, the only part I really liked was Corey Stoll as Uncle Junior. I thought that was mm -hmm. a really good performance. I thought it added some context on that character. But the whole, the ending of the movie, especially, which should I not say? Yeah, don't, you don't provide spoilers or anything, but I think I know what you're talking about with the ending. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It's, the ending's awful. Without yeah. giving anything away, it's just a really on-the-nose nod to the show that just was like, oh, fuck off. Like, it almost was as if David Chase was admitting to the world that he had no idea what his show actually meant, which right. is preposterous, because if you watch The Sopranos' final episode, the one that was on TV, seems to be, oh, that's the perfect ending. He perfectly right. understood what this was. So I have no, I, honestly, I think they should have just, he should have just made a story, maybe have it connected with Sopranos, but not go over the top on trying to tie it in with everything in the Sopranos. Right. Absolutely. And if people wanted to find you, where, where could they find you? Oh, I have a movie and TV review website called MargettisMovieReviews.com. 
I review new stuff. I go back and like watch trash movies or like watch film franchises. Actually, have an article trying to rank all the Sopranos episodes. Oh wow! Yeah, which is hard. And honestly, I I found out about three quarters of the way through, probably pretty useless (laughs) because it's like, yeah, you can like rank episodes and stuff like that, but it's just it needs to be seen as a whole. Right. That makes sense. Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Cool. Awesome. My name is Matt Stores, and this has been Matt's Planning. <laughs>